welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast. I'm Amy Neumeyer, your host and the founder and clinic director of a new med spa in the Madison, Wisconsin area. Unfiltered was born to provide a relaxed and more casual behind the scenes look at what it means to be a part of the medical aesthetic industry. Taking off the professional white coat and allowing our patients to relate to us in a real and honest way. If you have specific questions, we want to know. Otherwise, grab a seat and enjoy. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered. Hi. Hi, guys. No. <laughs> um, okay, so today we have a few of our nurse injectors here, and we're going to go do a little quick intro before we jump into it. So, Miss Amy, why don't you start? So, Amy Neumeyer, I am a certified aesthetic nurse specialist, and I have been in this industry for pushing 13 years at this point, so I'm old as dirt. <laughs> but I only look like I'm 29 because that's my goal for the rest of life. <laughs> Love it. Perfect goal. Sean, too. She's right there with me. Yeah. Sean's ageless. Two years. Yep. She's a vampire. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> All right. My name is Sean Clett. I am a nurse, um, bachelor's prepared nurse. I have been in the aesthetic industry as a nurse injector for just about a year now. Mm-hmm. Your anniversary's coming up. I know. <laughs> it's so exciting. And I, um, I am a nurse, though, with 16 years experience in the medical field. Uh, my name is Samantha Henson. I am a bachelor prepared nurse as well, and I have been as- injecting aesthetically for not quite a year. Mm-hmm. Almost, months, maybe? July, right July is when you yeah. started, yeah. Yes, but prior to that, I ha- was a nurse at UW here in Madison, um, and I kind of have a wide range of background nursing. So, yeah, here we are. Awesome. And me. Uh, my name is Shauna. I am the marketing specialist and in-house life coach is life the new uh, title that we've given myself. Um, I actually am a certified life coach. Um, this is a completely new industry for me, though, so I love getting to pick all of your brains. And I'm really excited, uh, especially when Amy changes the topic just minutes before our episode. It's That's pretty That's what amazing. we do here. I yeah, know. Variety is the spice of life. I've noticed. Okay, so we are going to jump into this episode. Like I said, we just sort of changed topics on us, but we are going to talk about the wild, wild west of this industry, which I think all three of you have strong opinions on, so I'm excited to hear about that. So, Ms. Amy, take it away. So, the wild, wild west is, unfortunately, aesthetic medicine. Um, Our industry is extremely unregulated to all degrees of context. Um, And it's a significant issue for, frankly, patient safety being the number one thing, but also to our reputation Mm -hmm. of this industry and the stigmas that are associated around it. Um, So this lack of regulation has allowed um, a lot of people essentially with some medical director somewhere signing off saying that they can stick needles in people's faces. Um, and I feel like especially in the last two, three years with COVID in particular, there is a significant amount of healthcare burnout, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like a lot of nurses are burnt out and they're following Instagram and they see all these cute photos 
of women in their cute scrubs and they're dancing and they're singing and they're all stylized and they're all pretty and they're like, oh yeah, I can, I'm going to leave my career. I'm going to go take a four hour course and I'm going to start sticking needles in people's face and open up my own business. And <laughs> how does that make you feel? Amy? <laughs> <laughs> Um, we see a lot of mistakes. We fix a lot of bad work and just the amount of patient re-education we need to do is astounding. Mm. Um, especially as someone who's been in this industry where I will adamantly admit, like when I first started 13 years ago, the education really was how do you stick a needle in the face? But that's so backwards as to what our industry and how teaching and training should be. It should really be learn the theory, learn the anatomy, learn the rheology, learn the assessment, learn the consultation, learn the contraindications, the adverse um, complication management, those type of things, and then finally learn how to stick a needle on someone's face. And unfortunately, we haven't made that flip yet where you still see a lot of courses, quote unquote, being offered where people are paying thousands of dollars to get take these courses and they come out of it and they literally, yes, know how to stick a needle in the face in theory, but they can't tell me one anatomical landmark. They can't tell me one artery. They can't tell me a fat pad. Mm -hmm. They can't tell me depths. So from a safety standpoint, it's super unnerving mm -hmm. and it really takes away from people like myself or like Sean or Samantha who have invested a significant amount of time and money in their education to actually be experts in this industry. And then you got Joe Schmo that took a four hour class and is gonna go open up a business. Hmm. So I feel, and you guys jump in, like safety issues that we see, educational issues from the patient standpoint. Like tell me what you guys are seeing in practice. Yeah, I mean, first of all, going back, I understand the frustration and difficulty of trying to get into the industry because it is hard, but it's also so easy to go take one of those weekend courses because guilty, when I was trying to get in the industry, I looked into it too. But then you realize that you need the products to in or, enable to go to the course. So it's like, well, how mm -hmm. do I even get to the course if I don't have, you know, accessibility to the products? Mm. So it is... It is hard to get in the industry. Hard to get but, in, meaning, so what, like what part of it is hard? So like you're buying the course and you don't know that so, you need these other things? And yeah, then so that's the easy part is okay. taking one of those weekend courses. Okay. But then it's, you know, you don't have the experience. What Amy is saying, you don't have, you know, all the education behind it. They're just saying, here, stick a needle, stick a needle here, stick a needle there, push, the, push this much. But then what Amy was saying, too, is she is providing us for here to new the actual education behind it, the anatomy behind it, and also courses, too, that we she suggested for us to take along the way. What's scary for us, then, is when we have new clients coming to us who have possibly seen providers who have taken these weekend courses, and now we're trying to, quote-unquote, fix their mistakes. Hmm. And it's not saying that we're, you, you don't want to bash any other injectors by any means, but it's just frustrating when you have someone, an, an injector, who has taken a weekend course, thinks that they can just do Botox, have a Botox party, 
And now two, three, four weeks later, those clients are coming to us and saying, this happened. They already, you know, they already have a sour taste in their mouth because something wonky Mm -hmm. is going on. And now you're trying to fix it and, you know, oh, it's okay. Like we can try and take care of it. And it's just a very unsettling position that you're already put into when they're walking into your room like that, if they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember starting and thinking, starting in this field, taking the weekend course, taking an online course and doing that, and would never in a million years think about starting a business. I mean, being, I feel like even, I mean, being in the industry a year now, but we're constantly going off of each other mm-hmm. and asking about, mm-hmm. you know, different things and assessments and what would you do in that? And I couldn't imagine not having that backbone being on my own after doing Botox and maybe a lip filler, you know, on those weekend courses. I mean, that's what it is, you know. So I think a lot of it, too, um, people think it's dollar signs, to be mm-hmm. honest. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's money that people see. I can open my own business and do this, you know, and make and more money. Mm-hmm. Which it is fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's great fun. Right. But. It is. But being still, like, a medical procedure, you know, I think it's definitely, there's more to it than, yeah, just it's fun and let's make a bunch of money. <laughs> That's like the biggest thing with like the influx of applicants. I get like not even that we have an open position as we speak, um, but the amount of people that just send me in their resume and whatnot and like not picking one particular segment of nursing, but oh, I've been a NICU nurse for 15 years and this looks fun and easy and I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, it can be fun. I'm not going to tell you anyone that it's easy. I think it's hard as hell in some stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like it's not just, you know, pushing IV Zofrin. There's no art behind that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There there is the degree of artistry and consultation and assessment and having a very thorough knowledge of anatomy and safety and complication management that people just don't appreciate And again, I feel like that ties heavily back into the lack of regulation in our industry. I get so many times where people are asking about our growth and yes, we're working on building out a second location. And so many people ask me like, well, are you you gonna franchise? Are you gonna become the ideal image? And yes, I'm dropping a name, but let's be real. Ideal images, better business bureau rating is the worst thing on the planet. And they have such a horrible stigma and reputation And the reason why I feel franchises don't work in this industry or are not successful and develop a bad reputation is because there is no regulation. It's different like if you look in comparison to let's say like dental practices where you will commonly see franchises and dental practices and they're super successful. But why is that? That's because there is a standards of practice and there's a degree and scope of practice that somebody has had to go through many years of school before they can be a dentist, before they're handed like a template for a business. Mm-hmm. That's the issue with medical aesthetics is there is no standards of practice specific to medical aesthetics or degree regulation, training, certification regulation, etc. before someone should go open up a business. So you have someone just taking these, again, four hour quote unquote courses and oh, I'm gonna go open up a business and they know nothing. Especially being a trainer, yes, I do a ton of private training and for some other pharmaceutical companies, but it always 
blows my mind because the amount of times I go into practices where they've been injecting, let's say, two, five, ten. I had one um, just a couple weeks ago that they'd been injecting for, I want to say it was almost 15 years, so even longer than me. And the lack of knowledge about anatomical landmarks, safety measures, complication management was astounding. It was so severe. It, it, it was truly like negligent, in my opinion, that great, they've had all these years of experience, quote unquote, but were they safe? And did they have a great knowledge of anatomy? And were they delivering great results? No, if anything, they were kind of like the stigma with what's wrong with our industry. They were delivering a lot of bad results. Mm-hmm. And that's something that was like, oh my gosh, we just really need to do something to get our industry regulated. Because I do feel like, especially in the last two to three years, again, COVID, everyone's trying to get out of healthcare and they think this is the quick, easy, glamorous, I'm going to make a lot of money and it's going to be fun and easy. And it's just, if anything, kind of making me almost embarrassed by our industry. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so right now, Let's just take a look at all three of you individually. Sort of, what was your, what what was your timeline? What was your path of going to school? Then, sort of, what did that look like? Because I I don't even have an idea of what it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. versus what it actually currently looks mm-hmm. like, and the ideal of where it will and what it will look like mm-hmm. when it is regulated. Okay, so I'm going to answer that in two sections. We're going to cool. answer that in like how we actually did it. But then I'm going to tell you, like, if I were to theoretically develop a program, like, what that should look like, (laughs) we'll talk about it, like, there. (laughs) So um, I started as an acute care rehab nurse, and I got out of school when the market last crashed, 09, and everyone was just lucky to get a job in nursing, period. Um, So I took the first gig I could get, and I had always known, based on prior experiences, that I wanted to be in medical aesthetics, plastic surgery, somewhere in that realm, so during that year, year and a half working as an acute care rehab nurse, um, I went through a program at that time called Aesthetic Advancements Institute. Still highly recommend them. Uh, but I took every course they had. So one, a neuromodulator, so Botox Dysport, dermal fillers, Juvederm Restylin. Um, one on Sculpture, I took another course um, on lasers, on medical grade skincare, on okay, sclerotherapy. Okay, just to confirm, none of that was, that that was all because you wanted to. There private, was, there was yeah, no. Private, like, to me at that time, I'm like, I thought, like, I had no business doing this until I'd gotten all this education. And mm. two, at that point, back in 2010 in Madison, Dane County, Wisconsin, there was not a lot of options for med spas. There were very few So I went, took all these courses, spent literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in like a year and a half of accumulating all these courses that I took. And literally every like three months, every time I'd save up enough money to do another course, I would print out my nice little resume portfolio and then I'd go around to every plastic surgeon bed spot in town. There were seven of them. And I would drop off my resume and cover letter and beg and pray for a job. It took a year and a half at that point to get a job, but at that point I had built up all these different courseworks and had continued to like read and study, but I worked for someone else under mentorship for seven years, eight years before I finally went out on my own. And I couldn't imagine, and again, that's where it's kind of interesting talking to Samantha and Sean, also being a little bit newer in the industry, like 
it, it took me eight years to have like the gumption to be like, okay, I think I can own and run my own business and do this well and do it safely. And that's what like shocks me. Mm. The amount of people that are like, I took a four hour course, I'm gonna open my business and I'm gonna treat people solo with no guidance or no mentorship. So I don't know if it's just people are like, again, wild, wild west and being very cavalier or frankly, it's a lot of ignorance and they just don't know what they don't know Hmm. because they were sold this glamorous course where, oh, you take this four hour course and you'll be able to open up your own business and you're going to make millions of dollars. Like, I feel like a lot of these people that are hosting these four hour courses are also scandalous and what they're doing that they're taking people's money yeah like they're swindling them out of money like giving them these false hopes that they're going to be safe great providers and they're not or so. using the word master injector oh my god master after injector. a course yeah yeah you've taken a four course <laughs> you are now a master i always like that one I don't know. I just I you do you you do see it though when you read it a lot. Yeah, you you see that title a yeah, lot. Yeah, you do. And you just really wonder where that Yeah, okay. it's not a real title. It's a made up thing. Yeah. It's like you wanting to be like, Hi, my name's Amy, I'm superwoman. Like it's just right. like it's it's a fake thing. It's not a real well, you are. It's what we well, will call you now. <laughs> Thank you. But it's just like it's someone like wanting to give themselves a fake title. It is a fake title. There's no regulatory board or agency or whatever certification board reviewing that title. But people will believe anyone who says master mm-hmm. and wearing a white coat. That's exactly it. And has it. a great Instagram page, too, mind mm-hmm. you. That, mm-hmm. that will make yep. you lots of money. And that's the thing the population doesn't know. No. So, well, this, yeah. our, our consumers don't know. Mm-hmm. So many of my patients are shocked when I tell them, like, this industry is unregulated. They're like, what? How is that possible? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, literally, there is zero regulation, particularly in the state of Wisconsin. Now, don't get me wrong, in the country as a whole, there are a few states that have regulation, mm-hmm. but not many. Well, you're right. I mean, you think Wisconsin nursing in general, you don't need any continued education. No, mm-hmm. not I mean, that's very, to me, I've always been in awe with that. You know, like even as a nurse, you don't mm-hmm. need it. You don't need any continued. You know. Take your degree and you can practice yeah. for 30 years and never prove that you've kept up current with the times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that like the standard in nursing? Like, if you go to other states, is that typical? Every state is different. Every state is different, but Wisconsin's a little lackluster, to say the least, when it comes to continuing education. Well, and it's so interesting being in Dane County, being surrounded by, I mean, just with UW Hospital mm-hmm. here, you know, you it's just so a part of our culture in this area of mm-hmm. the state that it's hard to believe. And I will say, going like, going back to continuing education, when I was in the hospital, you know, we had to do, like, your training modules and this and that, so that's your continuing education but then again you're doing it while you're working a 12-hour shift with three four five patients so you're just mm-hmm. you know clicking through clicking the modules, through just, the to, modules yeah, just, just to so complete it so really what is the value in that training mm-hmm. and are those yeah. training modules in home training modules right like are you getting a different perspective from someone that's outside of your industry outside of your hospital you know like because mm-hmm. that matters too don't you oh, think in terms of skill mm-hmm. and expertise right being able and willing to learn from someone that's not didn't learn how you learned mm-hmm. you know yeah they're specific to that facility right I guess is what right. you could say versus like an overall continuing education for your nursing degree in general you know but I can say I mean I think I mean, I'm probably biased because I work at a new, but I think that one of the huge things that Amy supports and what makes a new so special is the education we do. And I've said it from day one that we're continuously training and there's different ways to 
you know, there's different ways to do dermal filler. Both, I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. you're just always learning and mm-hmm. things are changing. So, I mean, I can't, I just, I feel like that's where news just Amy's like perspective with the education and, you know, continuing education is what you would say basically is a high priority at this, you know, institution. Well, and it's very obviously a pillar of just who you are and who a new is in general. I mean, look at, Look at our schedules week to week. I mean, mm-hmm. how many different training opportunities mm-hmm. do you think? I mean, probably at least once a week oh, we're doing absolutely. something, even if that's a brand coming in or a rep coming in, uh, learning mm-hmm. about a new product or a new service. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, webinars, hands-on, yeah. you yeah. name it. Which is pretty amazing. Um, Samantha, Sean, share with us and the viewers a little bit, since you guys are newer to the industry, mm-hmm. like what was that process like getting into it and the education and what you guys had in mind for yourself? Like, did you guys too, I think Samantha already alluded to that she thought it'd be a four hour class, but then mm-hmm. obviously some light bulb went off and she's like, maybe this isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just uh, what was that thought process like? Oh, and at what point did you feel ready? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Not to put Do you on I the feel spot. Ready? Yeah, I know. I think for me, when I was, I first of all, I loved my job when I was at the hospital. Loved it, but I knew I always wanted to get into aesthetics. And then I came across the job posting for here at a new. And to be completely honest, I sat on it for like a month, maybe even close to due, because I was like, I don't have experience, like no way am I ever going to get this position. And then finally my husband was like, well, just apply, you never know what's going to happen. So that's when I really started digging into, you know, these courses, the neuromodulator, the dermophilic courses. And I was like, God, this just doesn't make sense. How are you supposed to take these courses if you don't have the products? And like, it just, like, it didn't make sense to me. It was like putting the, what did they say? Putting the carriage before the horse. Yeah, like yeah that, the cart before the horse. Yeah, like that's what yeah. it seemed like to me. So anyway, so mm. I applied just to see what happened. And Amy reached out. And then we got to talking about Titan Aesthetics, which Sean and I ended up both doing at the same time um, shortly after I got hired. So Titan was, first it was a, was it, like a, was it an eight-week course? Mm. Yeah, there's like course yeah. one and course, course two. one and two. yeah. Oh my gosh, it feels like forever ago. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, so it the, happened to be right around like eight weeks or so. Yeah. Of just like all like anatomy, like after like legit facial, like really diving deep into mm-hmm. facial anatomy. And then after that, it was more of like a webinar, a weekly webinar. Yep. We're like Zoom call. Yep, we mm-hmm. did a Zoom call and, and we then would, went over like different case yeah, studies case and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So that was kind of our first in-depth training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How that long was... would you say that program was, like, entirety? Like, what did it take you to complete course one and course two? Was that, like, three months? Yeah. Three, three months. months. Probably yeah. three months. Three months. Yeah. Do In you total. feel like at the end of that three-month program, you wanted to go open up your own business? Oh no, my God. No, if anything, <laughs> it scares you more. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I remember, too, when I had first had int- – I've always had interest in this field – and starting being a patient. <laughs> always wanting to know more, though. I always wanted to know more about it. And so um, that's kind of what got me interested is just, like, loving the field itself. And then I had talked to Amy about possibly a position. It's funny, though, I started Googling all these courses, like, emailing yes. her. Probably, like, 20 <laughs> courses. She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, honestly, there's so much out there. But it was nice to have her to be like, 
no, do this one. This one's, you know, like this one, you'll learn more in that. But if you don't have guidance starting on your own, I mean, you well, are. And what, what were you Googling? Like, honestly. A set like, of nursing injecting courses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, how broad is that? Oh, right. There's you a know? ton out there, so you know. Many. But and not who's to say teaching that any, them? You yeah, know? that's right. just it. Right. And not to say that, you know, none of them are, aren't legit, because there are a lot of them legitimate ones out there. But it's just trying to filter your way through it all and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when you're new to an industry, new to anything, yeah, right? You're, you're just like, it. whatever, you're just going to trust what Google mm-hmm. says, right? Yeah. Here's mm-hmm. the first person. Okay, well, they mm-hmm. probably know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I love what you said, Samantha, about how you got done with the end of the three months and you were even more nervous about it. Oh, my God, totally. Even to this day, mm-hmm. I feel like this industry is the more you know, the more scared you are mm-hmm. to inject right because mm-hmm. I mean the more knowledge you have you're like oh my god I could hit this I could hit that I could you know I could... you're oh, aware totally. of the actual yeah, impact you, the you, significance uh, yes. of the like the risk 100%. that you're taking on and that's where I get so frustrated with these again four-hour ca- classes because that's how you stick a needle in someone mm-hmm. and people have no appreciation for depth for placement for safety for contraindications and just for if shit hits the fan how do you deal with it right they, they just they again they make it seem all fluffy and covered in sparkles and sunshine and oh look you're gonna take this course and you're gonna go make lots of money mm-hmm. but i think it's just feeding that cavalier personality and feeding the ignorance mm-hmm. and it's just something that just frustrates me time and time again where like we i spend lots of money on continuing education and the amount of what I'm seeing in our community and in our state and in our country in this industry is just sometimes honestly embarrassing. And I would love to see standards of practice and regulation occur for the better interest of our patients and their safety and setting the bar the bar high. <laughs> I need more coffee. So I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. It's just, and it's just shocking. And I feel like we've all seen patients come in, you know, like I feel like in particular, Samantha always has like once a week, someone comes in (laughs) and they want their globeller. So the globeller is like the frown lines in between the brows. Those lines from a patient education standpoint are caused by muscle movement. Um, it's not caused by volume loss and filler is meant to address volume loss and the amount of times we have people come in wanting us to put filler in the glabellar lines is insane and they've had it done mm-hmm. many times mm-hmm. in many other places and I kid you not I don't think I've had a single patient yet that has come into my practice who has had a glabellar frown line treatment with dermal filler somewhere else and they were never told about that is the greatest risk for blindness on the face. Never, yes. ever, 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 ever have I had someone come in and was aware of this risk. And, and it's appalling to me. I'm like, oh, my God, you've had this done. And you've had this done multiple uh-huh. times. And you've never had a provider educate you on the risk. And guarantee they wouldn't have done it. Well, right. th- th- that's just I mean. They, <laughs> probably because they didn't know, right? right. They exactly. didn't know. Yeah. They had no idea. And, yeah, I... Just recently, I have I've had so many of those, the the gleb particular where they've had it filled, and then you're exactly right. You explain to them this is why we don't treat that area with dermal filler because 
the risk reward. And their jaw just about hits the floor because they've mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. been educated mm-hmm. on it ev- ever. Mm-hmm. And then they're they're terrified. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, is you know is, is Botox or Dysport? Is that gonna? No, no, no. That's a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. But they're terrified. And then, thankfully, by the time you're walk, they're walking out of our doors. They're so appreciative because mm-hmm. you took the time to explain it to them to educate them. But yeah, it's terrifying mm-hmm. that those. I mean, that's pretty significant mm-hmm. that a simple procedure can mm-hmm. lead to blindness and no one's telling you that, mm-hmm. that's terrifying. And then let's not even get started on dermal fillers and simple procedures that can cause blindness. Mm-hmm. And these providers, one, doing high-risk things, whether they know it's high-risk or not, but then 90% of the time, they don't have freaking Hylinex in yes. hand. So let's educate yeah. people about <laughs> Hylinex. <laughs> So hyaluronic hyaluronidase is essentially the antidote to dermal fillers, hyaluronic acid fillers. It's kind of like a loose concept of pouring hot water over ice, and it can melt the filler, so to speak, so that if the filler gets into a vein or an artery and blocks that vein or artery so it becomes like a dam in the tissue that's inhibiting blood flow, that's not a good thing, and then the tissue can die off. True worst case scenario in the realm of dermal fillers is that dermal filler, if put in the wrong area, can travel into the artery, back into the eye, and we're talking causing blindness. And I mean blindness within seconds. And if you don't reverse that within about 15 minutes, you you have pretty much permanently sealed their fate that they are going to be blind in that eye. And again, the amount of times where we educate our providers on Hylinex, because we at any given time are carrying 40 to 50 mm-hmm. vials of Hylinex at any given moment here, mm-hmm. saying the amount of times where they're like, oh, my provider never even talked to me about Hylinex. Or when I ask them, they have two vials of Hylinex. I'm sorry, that's peeing in the ocean. That's not going to make a freaking difference. <laughs> and, and that's just another thing that one of these people, like Botox parties, eh, I, don't, I don't care for them for a lot of reasons, but especially when I hear people getting dermal filler in home or wherever, back of whatever place, don't tell me that this provider is walking around with 50 vials mm-hmm. of Hylinex and a temperature-controlled refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, it's like going somewhere, let's say like an allergy clinic, and they only have one EpiPen in, play, in hand, or no EpiPens in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how comfortable as a patient would you feel going to an allergy clinic with no Epi or none at all? Or, or you're a one vial. Like, what is that going to do? And that's the same thing with Hylinex. One or two vials is not going to do a damn thing. Right. And also, kind of piggybacking off of that, injectors, providers who are going off and doing or starting their own thing, very inexperienced. They don't have, you know, camaraderie with other injectors in the area. We always say, God forbid, if we have like a serious vascular occlusion and we run out of, God forbid, Hylinex, if that if we have like a s- severe case. We know who we can kind of reach out to and be like, hey, we have a serious matter going on. Can you help us out? What if one of these injectors has that a serious case mm-hmm. like that? Who are they going to rely on? Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't made those relationships mm-hmm. with other people in the area. That is also terrifying. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's yeah. just so many people... You'll see that because, again, when I go back to the blindness thing, you you have less than 15 minutes to have an iota of saving someone's vision. Mm -hmm. So tell me, what can you do in 15 minutes to get more Hylinex, bring it back, and inject it, do a retrobalbular injection or supraorbital injection, and hope and pray that you've not wasted enough time and you have enough product. Mm -hmm. 
think about what 15 minutes is. Right. Like, where are you especially driving? Especially if you're in crisis. Especially right. if you're in crisis, yeah, where are you dri- driving? Because <laughs> <laughs> in the amount of training I do, or in, like accounts ask me about this, because the amount of times people are like shocked how much Hylinex I have on hand. I'm like, it comes down to ethics at the end of the day. I think of like, what would happen to me in my life if I were to go blind? How impactful, like each for right. one of you. Like, mm-hmm. we need our eyes to work. We need our eyes to drive. I need my eyes to see my children. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of things that I like my eye and my vision for. And, and it's so important. People are always amazed that I carry so much, but I'm like, where's the ethics behind mm-hmm. it? Or two, they're like, oh, but it's so expensive. What if it expires? What if it expires? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, really? I'm not gonna lie. 50 vials of Hylinex, it's about, what, four grand, five yeah. grand? Yeah, it's and not it, cheap. It, it's not cheap, but it lasts about a year. But right. but let's be real. Like, a good and day of one of us working, what's our revenue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, realistically, we bring that in a day without mm-hmm. blinking an eye. Right. So if you, in good conscience, can't once a year spend four to $5,000 to protect your patients... You shouldn't be injecting. You, you you should, in good conscience, not be doing this. And that's exactly where it comes in, how we talked about there's no regulations. No, there's I no, because there's no standards. Right. And well, that's and where it's something that the, should be. The patients don't know that. They don't know exactly. that. You know, I mean, and that's, that is really the, the bigger problem here, a big problem of ethics, right? If, if you're the nurse injector and and you know that there's these tools that you're not using, not getting the training, not getting the education, and then ethically doing this, injecting into people's faces, and then not having these things. I mean, that is, there needs to be a standard. There needs to be Mm -hmm. someone held accountable to that, you know? Well, yeah, you think about how many patients have you done dermal filler on and you're going over the Hylinex informed consent, and they have no idea. No idea. Mm -hmm. No idea. They know what Juvederm is. They know what Restylum, but Hylinex, what is that? Right. But I'll tell you, people know what an EpiPen is. They, they know what an EpiPen true. is. True. Mm-hmm. And it's an antidote, right? I've heard mm-hmm. like talk about what it does essentially, but people get dermal fillers left and right and they don't know what the antidote, so to speak, is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have no idea, let alone the risks. Right. Or let alone that they need it. Or that they could that they could need yeah. That they could potentially need this. Mm-hmm. It's kinda like even though like again, blindness and occlusions, like the incidents of these happening are generally very rare and it's a very low risk we're like talking 0.03 something like it is ridiculously low but it's still just like anyone going in for surgery what does the anesthesiologist talk to you about they talk about the risk of death right like how often does death happen very low risk but it can happen but was a patient given informed consent to understand so they were making an educated decision about their anesthesia they were and again that's mm-hmm. what drives me crazy is just again the lack of standards of practice mm-hmm. and regulation people have to go off of their own ethics and moral code and apparently that's really freaking lacking in our industry if i'm going to be blunt yeah. mm-hmm. like, as it continues to grow yeah right People, I think, just, again, they get caught up in the gram and the idea of making mm-hmm. money, the gram. The gram. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and just, just the beauty industry in general. I mean, look at also culturally how we put it on a pedestal. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many parts to it that are unregulated. So many caveats. You know, so many caveats. Ingredients and lotions. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. It's so bad. Okay, Amy. <laughs> so, second part. 
to Second part. this was you had solutions, it seemed. Okay. Let's hear them. So at one point prior to my life falling apart in the last couple of years, I had <laughs> formed with a few other key opinion leaders, I'll say, in the Midwest, what was called the Wisconsin Aesthetic Practice Coalition. And we were going to try and get regulation in Wisconsin in particular to set standards of practice up. But then I had health crisis, other, another member had a health crisis, and it just kind of fell to the back burner. And then, you know, COVID, and then I'm trying to finish grad school, and it's just, it's been on my back burner. So it is something I would love to get a voice in this state and set some precedence and, you know, quality of care levels, so to speak. But yes, if I were to have like a standard of education, I think entirely where Samantha and Sean went to the Titan Aesthetic Injector Preparedness Program is like a great template. Um, But again, that's an insane amount of theory and didactic. It still does not have the hands-on portion, Mm, um, which there still needs to be that other element. But again, it was almost three months of didactic. And even still, was it probably enough No, but I think there should be some requirement as to like mentorship, like you need to, like same with me, like nursing school, um, grad school, you you need to go have clinical Mm -hmm. hours and then set for boards before you can do this. Mm -hmm. Not that you've taken a four hour course and therefore you're gonna go do it. And frankly, that's another disturbing thing. You don't even need to take a four hour course. You just need some medical director somewhere to sign off the paperwork and order the stuff for you. Like, let's be real, like, I'm not saying a four-hour course is any standard because it's actually, there is zero standard, but that's just the most common thing that people do. Well, and they have, you know, medical directors that aren't anywhere in the industry. Not anywhere in the industry. They're, it's a dentist, it's a chiropractor, it's a family practice doctor that wants to make some side cash sign in somebody's chart. So, Mm -hmm. like, there's that. But I would love to see, like, create a curriculum as to, like, the theory of the didactic and then have, like, the practical hands-on and then actually, like, people have to do, do like, clinical hours, so to speak, and then pass actual frickin' boards mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah, I totally agree. Almost like, well, they have the certification, the CANS, but it would be, like, a little bit different than but that. But even, like, the CANS, like, I love the CANS and I love what it stands behind, but you still have to do this for two years right. before yeah, you can set for your CANS. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, what have you been doing in those two years? Yeah, what, that's What's allowed you to practice or have give you any right to honestly practice? Mm-hmm. So th- that's the thing, yeah. like, the, the I span who created cans a certified aesthetic nurse specialist they're in the right direction but as to like what can we do to make it better like there's room for improvement that interim part yeah that interim like mm-hmm. what are you doing in those two years Deserve like that's still two years of you running around in the wild wild west essentially <laughs> mm-hmm. doing god knows what mm-hmm. just because you don't know what you don't know well and hopefully you're doing the right thing for wherever you want to work that they're gonna you know take that as applicable experience you know well i mean our training Four to six months, hand. I mean, that's what we had just oh, at the here mm-hmm. at our job, you know, alone, and that's not counting the conferences we go to and the trainers mm-hmm. that come in and Amy being a trainer herself, the education we get. But that's just that was, yeah, it was probably like four to, four six, to six months, months before, like at least six before I'd let you take like a new consult. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because that's like the hardest thing. Like once you've mm-hmm. got your hands down and you've you know, we're ready to let you loose, so to speak, on established clients. That's one thing. But even ready to take someone who's never had this procedure before yep. six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 
They're my great ideas. Um, I love it. <laughs> that is a really good. That is. I'm done with school here shortly. I will add it to my to-do <laughs> list, and we will create a curriculum, and we'll get um, a meeting with the state assembly set up. Shauna, you got this. Yeah. Okay. Good. Perfect. Well, done. Deal. Perfect. <laughs> so there's my rant for the day about oh. the wild, wild west. You love your rant. Thank you. Any other final comments, <laughs> questions, concerns? I love the idea. Cool. We so got your back. We're circling, <laughs> we're circling back that the industry needs regulation. It and, needs regulation. And I think there's probably going to be people that, and, and this is just from my own experience, because the coaching industry is also not regulated. Mm-hmm. And it, it drives me insane because, I mean, I went to a two-week course and then suddenly I'm a certified holistic life coach. Like, what does that actually mean mm-hmm. and how much experience is required? And then also how much am I able to charge versus someone else's? able to charge and someone else is charging a thousand dollars an hour you know i mean it all these things matter and the perception that other mm-hmm. people have matter as well mm-hmm. um so if something especially like that i mean this is the this is the medical industry right mm-hmm. it's it's hard to believe that it's not regulated mm-hmm. honestly yeah it's scary it's yeah. outright scary and it's embarrassing because i love this industry and i'm so passionate about it but then the things that I hear and see, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, we have a really big problem, and it's kind of snowballing, and it's yeah. just getting bigger it's and bigger. Sh- and it's just going to get bigger. Yes. Yeah. 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 So stay tuned for our educational content, and <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking in front of the assembly very soon, I'm sure. Perfect. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for jumping on with us.